to just know that you could have been a small part of something that was in a way really um, encouraging and supporting and healing in a way that you never in a million years could have imagined when you booked this job, when you got this part. And it never ceases to amaze me or, or humble me. Michelangelo here, you know, the master of the whirling pizzas. And you, my friend, are listening to Turtle Flakes, a bodacious bowl of Ninja Turtles goodness. Brought to you by my radical dudes, Rob and John. Cowabunga! Cowabunga, dudes to do that, and welcome to another episode, a very special episode of Turtle Flakes. Uh, I'm joined by my main man, Josh Otello, today, and we have a very special guest, don't we, Josh? We do. One of the coolest guests we've ever had. We're so excited. Uh, voice of Michelangelo. Uh, also voice the Tick. Pl- plenty of other things. Uh, mm-hmm. Really uh, a masterful voice actor. Uh, and not only that, but he's also uh, master of the the Whirling Nunchucks and master of the Whirling Pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey guys, Rob, I, lo- I love your intro. Cowabunga, dudes and dudettes. <laughs> well, you, you, got, you got to throw dudettes in there. You know, you never know who's yeah. listening. <laughs> I haven't heard that one yet. Cowabunga, dudes and dudettes. That <laughs> totally awesome. Yeah, dudes and dudettes. Can't leave the dudettes out. And what about, like, the micro dudes and the micro dudettes? You oh, know, the little man. ones, the kids. <laughs> Forgot about the kids. <laughs> Gotta love them, too, yeah. Love it when they go to these cons and the families, you know, bring their little kids along with them. And they're looking up over the table going, How is that up there? Just, <laughs> oh, hey, micro dude, how you doing, buddy? So what's up, you guys? Well, well, not much. I'm telling you, it's a dream come true to, to talk to you because, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things that I think we were starstruck. Our first interview we ever had was Pat Fraley. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, <laughs> you know, the first thing is kind of, it was very similar to you. You know, he just went right into character right away, which blew us away. It was like our first moment where we were like, oh, my gosh, I'm talking to Krang right now, you know? Yeah, right. Well, that's what I was going to say. And then, then Pat launches into his Krang. Yeah. <laughs> you just oh. crack up. What a great character and great voice that was. Oh, it? my gosh. And then the, the tongue thing he yeah. does, like, uh, to laugh. Oh, gosh, it's hilarious. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> He's a one of a kind, that Mr. Fraley, I'll tell you what. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, y'all are one of a kind, I'm telling you. So you mentioned a convention with the micro dudes. So uh, I, I know you just got back from the Awesome Con in Washington, D.C. So Yeah, just got back last night from Awesome Con. And I tell you, it was awesome. It was a great convention. Just really wonderful people, remarkable folks coming up saying hi. And, and uh, it was real well attended. It was a solid three-day event for us. Uh, went in on Friday and uh, was there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Got back last night. Man, that's crazy. So, did you get yeah. to kind of reunite with some of the, uh, you know, the voice actors, uh, Rob Paulson and Yeah, Rob and and Barry and Cam um, were there for sure. You know, it's been a wonderful thing that we started doing last year, and uh, 
started doing these conventions the, together, the four of us, and in some cases, the five of us, when we're lucky enough to have uh, Renee Jacobs along with us, who was the voice of April, of mm -hmm. course, on our uh, original Ninja Turtle series. And, uh, yeah, so we've been able to spend some good time together uh, for the last uh, 18 months or so um, going to these, these great conventions, and I hope we get to do more. Uh, it's great fun. Awesome. You know, you know is, is, I guess, chemistry still there, you know, all these years later, you know, any time you guys get back together? Yeah, well, of course it is. You know, you spend 10 years on a series, and, uh, you know, these are they're all such great guys. I mean, they're so talented, um, you know, in, in, some, in some cases just in, in, impossibly uh, funny. It, it's, it's, just, it's such a treat to almost sit back and, and watch them go, uh, you know, when we do some of these panels. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're all good buddies. And I remember when Rob, uh, you know, we hadn't seen each other for a long time, until about uh, two and a half years ago when Rob uh, pulled us all together for his podcast. And um, we went out to dinner. I remember one night Rob, you know, came up with this idea, wanted to get us together on his podcast. And he said, let's, let's grab, some, grab a meal together before we do that. And so we met up at a restaurant. And I got to tell you, it was what a, what a sweet reunion that was, just, you know, getting together again, the four of us just, you know, sitting there, you know, swapping stories and catching up. And uh, it was like old times. And so we did his podcast, and then uh, not too long after that, started um, talking about doing these, uh, these uh, cons together, um, especially last year, since it was the 30th anniversary of the Ninja Turtles, when uh, yeah, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird uh, you know, started putting out their, their comic in 1984. And, uh, and so we got to not only do these cons together, but uh, uh, in many cases got to do them with him. Uh, like wow. we did this last weekend, and Kevin is such an amazing guy. You know, he's uh, obviously super successful and amazingly talented, but so incredibly down to earth, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, just giving and willing to, um, you know, be with the folks and to answer questions, and uh, yeah, you know, just to be one of the guys. Uh, that you know, that's always fun. <laughs> We did. Uh, Kevin Eastman was actually on our show, and you know we we can cool. agree more. Uh, well, actually, Josh got to talk to him. I had to work that day, and he kind of rubs that in all the time. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and that's that's just a great testimony to to you know just all the people associated with the Ninja Turtles. I, you know, we've talked to several people that are, are very heavily you know involved in in the franchise, and not one of them's been a jerk yet. And I got a good well, feeling about you already. <laughs> no, there's still listen. There's still plenty of time for me to be a jerk yeah. here, so um, we'll save true. that for the end. But, I mean, think about it, Rob. Honestly, it's like why, why, why be a jerk about like the greatest gift you've ever been given? You know, it's like to to be able to uh, work in this industry and uh, you know have a little longevity and a little success. Um, it's like how can you not just be grateful uh, for that? I mean, it's the it's the best job on the planet. And, uh, yeah, I mean, not just the Ninja Turtles uh, uh, franchise, you know, but uh, any of the work that, you know, we are al allowed to do and blessed to do is, is just amazing. Um, so, you know, it's like, how can you be a jerk about that? <laughs> I mean, I've, they're out there, I'm sure, but uh, the, the folks that I've, you know, gotten to work with and stuff, no way. Well said, man. Uh, you know... Uh, there's one thing that that Josh and I we always talk about. It's just it's just it makes us just love the franchise more. Is, is you know people that are approachable like yourself and uh, and others. And it's just you know we're, we're just so thankful that we're even able to reach out to people like you guys. And it's just it's really nice. But um, you well, know, it's all a ruse. 
Right. <laughs> he really is I mean, a jerk. You know that. We, uh, it's, it's all com- completely fabricated. And uh, you know, I had <laughs> no, a feeling. No, no. Yeah. Well, we're both just completely tickled to be able to talk to you. It's, it's so cool. And uh, one of the reasons why it's such a big deal to us, obviously, is because we're huge Turtles fans. And um, I guess I, I'll start with uh, the first question, and it was – uh, did you have a favorite cartoon as a kid, and uh, were there any characters or, or voices uh, that inspired you um, maybe to get into what you do, or um, do you have any favorite shows, uh, I guess, that inspire you, maybe TV shows or movies or anything like that, that, that you're maybe a fanboy of like we are with the Turtles? Um, y- uh, yes and no. I wasn't a big TV watcher when I was a kid, but did did watch cartoons, and yeah, I had a few favorites, and I remember... You know, the Hanna-Barbera cartoons were, were always big faves of mine. Um, for some reason, Huckleberry Hound was, uh, was a particular favorite. <laughs> and I know that's, you know, kind of maybe off the beaten path. But I remember when I first moved to L.A., you know, I, I, I had no aspirations to get into animation. I came out here to, you know, be a on-camera actor uh, primarily. But because I had, I'd been on the radio in Cleveland for, for 10 years... Um, and in some cases had, had done some character bits and some, some of the morning shows that I did, uh, you know, did some characters and stuff. Um, when I moved out here, after having done a lot of voiceover back home, um, I, I figured I could do a little voiceover, you know, trying to make ends meet while I tried to get my acting career off the ground. And it just as it happened, you know, six months after I moved here, I got this audition for Inspector Gadget and got the part on this show which was a total lark for me. But then once I was sort of <laughs> in on the inside and in the studio with Maurice LaMarche and Frank Welker and Don Adams, uh, you know, at my very first cartoon session, um, I looked around and I thought, wow, so this is crazy. You know, you, you, people, you make some money doing this and this is fun. <laughs> so, I, so I asked my agent to start sending me out on more of those kinds of auditions and stuff. And that's how that launched f- for me. So, uh, so in that process, I got a chance to meet uh, not not only uh, me, but auditioned for Andrea Romano when she was over at Hanna-Barbera, and I did my a general audition over there. And we got to talking about um, background and, and faves and stuff, and I told her that I was a fan of Doss Butler. And, and she said, well, how would you like to, you know, you know he's going to be coming in and doing a special for us this coming Friday. Um, why don't you come on down and, and you can get a chance to meet him? And I, I was a pig in poop. And uh, <laughs> I, I, you, I really, so, so I did that. And there I was in the control room. It was just me and her and, um, and uh, you know, the, uh, the audio guys. And in walks Doss Butler. And, you know, he is just this little sort of elf of a guy, but just the biggest grin, the sweetest smile, just this presence in him just radiated joy. I, I mean, really, honestly, he was just an amazing human being. But when he spoke, and this is kind of getting to your question, when he spoke, he opened his mouth. His natural speaking voice sounded like Huckleberry Hound. <laughs> and, and I can't do it. I'm terrible. Any sort of impressions, believe me. But but he, but when he opened his mouth and he started talking, all of a sudden I was like five years old again, and it was I was like, you know, <laughs> it was so crazy to me. And so he goes in the studio and on this special that he was doing, that he was recording these voices for, he was doing like six or seven of his his top characters, you know. And with each one, you know, he's sitting up on that stool, and with each one, he just slips into it seamlessly. Wow. And I was watching it, and I was just blown away. And that's what I sort of cemented for me, you know, the love of, of doing, of, of being able to do this, you know, having the privilege of being able to do this. And, um, 
and gosh, uh, you know that 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 was very exciting for me. So so there was that in in my background um, uh, as a kid and watching cartoons, and then sort of seeing it play out in real life in fr- you know in front of my eyes that day at Hanna Barbera. But when I was in high school, um, when I was uh, in a junior in high school back in the early seventies, there there was a a, a group that w- we were all into uh, called Fire Sign Theater, and um, they did just did these uh, amazingly hilarious radio dramas. And so when I and the big thing in high school, well, at the time, what they had come out with this album called Nick Danger. This is a bit called Nick Danger Third Eye, and <laughs> the further adventures of Nick Danger Third Eye. And so the big thing was to memorize the whole thing, and and be able to do the voices, or at least attempt to to do the voices as well. And so it was like this, you know, this is a sort of dueling thing that we had with a, a bunch of us guys in high school. So I had this great appreciation for them. And so when I moved out here, and I remember doing a, a commercial, I think it was like a, a Pepsi radio commercial or something, um, with Phil Proctor of Firesign Theater. Uh, again, I was, you know, a, a total pig in poop, you know, just, uh, I mean, I, I was a real, I felt like inside like a real fanboy, but didn't want to come across like that. Yeah, kind of like we like, are right now. I was in the same <laughs> studio, you know, sharing a mic with Phil Proctor from Firesign Theater. <laughs> And I just, I couldn't believe it. And so then it's years later when I auditioned for The Tick, I, in my mind, there were a couple of characters that I used to sort of, you know, glue this this character together in my head. And one of them was Phil Austin's, who was one of the four guys in Firesign Theater, and the voice of Nick Danger. Um, I sort of used his characterization for, for Nick Danger as as part of the prototype for for the tick for me and then also Gary Owen a little bit of Gary Owens and, and a little bit of uh, Ted Knight you know Ted Baxter from the Mary Tyler Moore show kind of those three things were melded together and then a little bit of my own you know stuff and um, and so then it, when we when when I got the tick and we were doing the series turned out that the producer on that show was a huge Firesign theater fan also and we got to talking about them and he said, "Well, l- let me see if we can get them on the on the on the series on the show." So he did, and we got all four uh, guys from the Firesign Theater uh, to do several episodes of this show. And uh, I mean, that's I was a total fanboy <laughs> with with these guys. It was just insane to me. So, yeah, you know, I mean, there there were people in my background that I, you know, my dad used to listen to a lot of like uh, Stan Freeberg and. And uh, Tom Lehrer and uh, Bill Cosby albums, of course. And and he, my dad was a big um, sort of radio drama fan. So I grew up with that in the background, although I wasn't sort of an active participant in it. It seemed like it was always on in the background. And so I had a real appreciation for it growing up. Well, you know, so you went into theater first and then you were kind of, you you leaned towards voice acting for a while. What do you find Mm -hmm. to be more challenging? Oh, gosh. Well, they're. I don't know that one's more challenging. They're both challenging, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but when you say theater, I mean, uh, yeah, I started in theater. Well, actually, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. did a lot of theater back in Cleveland, and uh, and, the, and was on the radio there at the same time and doing a lot of voiceovers in Cleveland. I see. I tried to, when I was in Cleveland, which is where I grew up. I, you know, I just tried to do anything and everything that I could in the entertainment business. You know, I mean, I, I did radio, I did TV, I did you know, commercials, on-camera commercials, voiceovers, um, theater, modeling. I was modeling in Cleveland for, you know, a number of years. Um, you know, so I just tried to do everything that I could 
in entertainment. And then when I turned 30, um, and it just a fluke thing happened in the house we had been renting, my, my wife, we had, a, I, we had three kids at the time. Um, this house that we had been renting was sold. And I got a notice from the landlord that we needed to move by the end of September of 84. And, and this was in July of 84 that I got this notice. And so I had wow. to like, you know, yeah, scramble to, to get something cobbled together fast because I had kids that needed to be, you know, settled in school someplace. And so I thought, you know what, I just quit my radio career of 10 years here. I just turned 30 and I've, I've got bigger dreams and bigger aspirations. And I feel like I've pretty much done everything I want to do here. Now I have to make a physical move you know, pack up the house and everything. Now's, now would be the time to, to strike out for one of the coasts. Right. And uh, through a, a series of events that I won't get into, but I've met a couple of people who, who both said to me, uh, independent of each other, you know, you really need to be in California. You need to be in L.A. You should be in Los Angeles. And I thought, well, shoot, okay, I hear that. And <laughs> so I came out here after the, Olymp the uh, closing weekend of the Olympics in 84, and just drove around town, looked for a place to live, found a little place here. And uh, literally two weeks later, we were living here. Uh, you know, I went back home, packed everything up, sold a car. I had a friend uh, uh, help drive my, my one car out and uh, flew my wife and three kids out here. And uh, boom, here we were living here in September of 84. So it, like, just, it just happened that fast. And, you know, and I had a, a good demo tape, uh, voiceover reel at the time. Got a great agent. Uh, for on-camera commercials and voiceovers, like my second week here, first second week here, it was like just is within within days. It, it it felt like, and um, you know, started auditioning and and about six months later, really started working, and um, you know, I got Inspector Gadget, uh, got my first uh, little part in a movie, a scene with Tommy Lee Jones. Wow, <laughs> my, nice. My big, <laughs> my big, that was my big movie claim to fame. Um, Trust me, it didn't launch me on a on a on a on a movie career, <laughs> but it's there, you know. So I say, I, I did that, and then also <laughs> first on camera national TV commercial and all this stuff I did within ten days. Wow! Uh, six months after I moved here, that was in March of '85. So it was a really bizarre time because all this stuff's like boom, boom, boom. I uh, got a chance to really start working and uh, was you know really sort of making some some serious money, at least to me during the summer of 85 and then by christmas of 85 it's like it all went away really yeah it just dried up and and hmm. you know the, all the money that i made and you know during the summer and into the fall and stuff which felt like wow this is going to last forever and then it didn't ah. and you know by christmas i was you know having to borrow money from my mom to pay my rent and you know it's a, it was a pretty humbling experience and a real eye opener let me tell you you know, to just do, you just got to keep your head down, just keep moving forward and, and uh, you know, and, and try and sock some money away. Absolutely. Well, you know, you, you mentioned Inspector Gadget. Was that like the first kind of voice acting role that you've ever done for a character? And, and, and if it was, like, what, what, when you were doing that, like, what was going through your mind? Did you think, you know what, I want to start doing voice acting more often? Or was it just like, I'm going to do voice acting on the side and act some more? Yeah, I mean, I didn't think that I wanted to do more of this when I was auditioning for that, because I had no idea what this business was about, you know, this whole end of it, the animation end of it. Because uh, like I said, I never gave any thought to doing that. See, I never, that wasn't me. It's not why I moved out here. I wasn't one of these guys growing up saying, I, you know, I want to be a voice actor when I grow up. I want to be a, a cartoon voice when I grow up. I, you know, I had other friends who had those kinds of aspirations, and I looked at them, and they were, you know, hilarious, 
you know, comedians and, you know, had that knack for creating voice and stuff. Now, I, I mean, I did some characters on the radio, don't get me wrong, but it, it, it wasn't world-class stuff, you know, trust me. And, um, and so I didn't have those aspirations. And this, this audition for Inspector Gadget really was just an audition that they, my agent was sending me out for. I said, hey, you know, you know, why don't you go try this? And so I did. And as it turned out, I was going to this audition for Inspector Gadget over at Deke. The, uh, I went straight there from a callback uh, for this on-camera national TV spot that I that I, the the callback went so well that as an actor you just you just sense that I nailed it you know and I felt like I nailed that and indeed a couple of days later I I did end up booking this spot which was great it was a, it was a silly spot for craft uh, barbecue sauce but I but I, the point is that I felt I I felt like invincible I was flying higher than a kite coming from this silly audition for this on-camera spot straight over to Deke to do this audition for Inspector Gadget for this uh, character Corporal Cape Man and so I met uh, Marsha Goodman over there she was the uh, voice director and casting director over there and she showed me a picture of, you know, the character and a little description of the character. It was just me and her. She recorded me on a little cassette machine in her office. You know, I mean, certainly nothing fancy. But, but we tried it a couple of different ways, and I just, you know, I just felt like this is, this is fun. I, you know, I, I, it wasn't like I was out to try and make a, a cartoon career for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. This was just another audition I got to go do, but this was a silly one, and, I, you know, I was feeling good. And so we, we, we had fun with it and laughed and, you know, she, she ended up liking what I did and you know, she was great to, you know, to audition for. She was very supportive and, and encouraging. And a couple of days later, I ended up booking, booking that part. Um, I mean, it just happened just really fast. And then a couple of days after that, was booked on my first session. And like I said, found myself in B&B Sound, you know, the studio over in Burbank uh, with Maurice LaMarche. It was his first uh, cartoon series too, um, uh, and then uh, and then next to him was Frank Welker sitting just to my left, <laughs> and I didn't know who Frank was either at the time. <laughs> and I mean, I think back on that now, and I think it, ignorance really was true bliss for me because had I known who I was in this, now I was intimidated by then Don Adams sitting on the other side of me. You know, I'm looking at him and talk about, you know, uh, a little bit of that fanboy thing going on. This is like, God, this is, get, this is Maxwell Smart. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and he had such great stories and stuff. But, but sitting in that first session and reading through the script and, and, and hearing these guys' voices uh, was so surreal to me that when I look back on it now, had I known what I was getting into at the time, I would have been probably so nervous mm -hmm. that I would never have gotten the part wow. you know but because i was coming off this callback for this on-camera spot and just felt like you know hey i could do anything <laughs> you know i just there was nothing holding me back and and so i had fun and you know sort of took off from there so you so the answer to your question is no at that point i didn't have any aspirations to do more cartoons but once i got into it and started doing several episodes of of gadget Mm -hmm. that's when I sort of said to myself and said to my agents, yeah, you know, if you can send me out of more of this stuff, I, I, <laughs> it's I, I dig this. Yeah. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of fun. It's kind of okay. I yeah. can get used to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so, so inspector gadget, all right. So that would have been around 85, I would guess. That was 85. Yeah. March of 85 that I got. I mean, the series had already been going, and the character that they they uh, that I auditioned for and got was Corporal Cape Man, mm -hmm. who um, I understand was sort of roundly hated uh, right. by, by 
every fan <laughs> of that series because of what a goof he was. But um, yeah, but hey, you know, I I, I did my, I did my best. I really did. Um, but he, but he was created, I think, for like the last ten or so episodes of the series. So the the series had already been going for right what fifty five episodes or something by by that point. So, so this is still a couple of years before Turtles. So, so what else was going on as far as the uh, cartoons? I, I believe you were in uh, Transformers, correct? Yeah, I, I did uh, a couple episodes of the original Transformers. I did a character uh, called Rewind in that. Um, I was doing Gem and the Holograms. Uh, did Riot in that, which it turns out, I guess you know, there's quite a quite a, a community out there of Gem fans uh, <laughs> oh, that yeah. have their own. They have their own con, Gem Con, and uh, I met. Uh, uh, a few of those folks that uh, came up to me over the weekend, this past weekend in in DC, and they're just they're so wonderful and warm and gracious, and uh, big fans of this character that I did on that show called Riot. Uh, he was uh, he was the singer in 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 the uh, Stingers, and so um, yeah, so I did that. There was that going on at the time. I was I was doing some stuff at Hanna Barbera. To um, you know, just like uh, an an episode or two of the various shows that they had gone and. Let's see, I was uh, I did the I think I did the the Snorks and the Littles and and uh, did a show over at Hanna Barbera called Wildfire, um, you know, so a lot of little one-off things. I just was doing some My Little Pony, and then um, and then uh, did Scott Teen Wolf on Teen Wolf. I think that was '86 uh, maybe. So that was this was all sort of pre. Um, my, my my memory gets a little <laughs> you know, sketchy there, but I mean I'd have to look back in, at the actual dates. But this is how I recall, and then. And then got Fraggle Rock, uh, mm-hmm. which was great fun. It was the animated version of Fraggle Rock for NBC. And it was during that that uh, the voice director, Stu Rowe, um, came in one day uh, to one of those sessions and said that he was going to be directing this new show. And he pulls out one of the comics. I'd never heard of it before. And I kind of rolled my eyes and thought, yeah, this, this is going to be big. And uh, so he brought he brought a number of us uh, from from that show uh, into audition for for uh, uh, Turtles. Um, Rob Rob Paulson was on Fraggle Rock as well at the time, and um, and so he brought us in, and and so that's how that started. You know, I mean, it all starts sort of very inauspiciously. It's not like you're going in, you know, and this is going to be the biggest series, you know, of of your career. It's like I, I'm sure when you know Nancy Cartwright and Dan Castellaneta, you know, started doing this little Simpsons, thing yeah. called The Simpsons, yeah, you know, um, that they had no idea at, in the beginning. It was going to blow up into what it did, yeah. Well, you know, likewise, for Turtles, we had absolutely zero idea that it was going to, you know, become the phenomenon that, that it, it did. Um, and certainly not just with our series, but with the various iterations of Ninja Turtles series that came after that. Um, right up, you know, through the the current one that Nick is doing, but all the movies that that came along as well. So you know, and just to look around and and now, I mean, and go to these conventions and see the numbers of fans that are 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 just so into this. It's it's cr- it's crazy to me. I mean, it's it's the coolest thing, you know, because w- we have like these, and and this was this is endless, I, and I love hearing these stories and seeing them every time because these people come up and they talk to you at the, at the cons and they're now, you know, 35 years old, right. Uh, 32 years old, you know, and they were like right on the, this is when they were, you know, five, six years, seven years old when the Ninja Turtles came out. So they were like the first generation of 
the youngest generation that came up with turtles and now they've got kids and, and they've bought yeah. the you know full 10 dvd you know set of the entire series and that's what they're bringing their kids up on you know as well as the new nick series but but they're bringing them up you know so to see this generational stuff is really it's it's really to me it's really mind blowing it's the cool, it's the coolest thing you know you get these families coming up to you at the at the cons that are all you know it's mom and dad and their three kids and one in the stroller and they're all dressed in Ninja Turtles outfits. <laughs> Bring some you whole know, family together, you know? It's the whole family. <laughs> That's I, mean, awesome. I'm you, I, see, I see this many times at these conventions. It's a riot. Well, well definitely. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, just, just seeing the way uh, the, the franchise is just, if anything, is, is just now as strong, if not stronger, than it was when it first came out. Um, it's it's so awesome to see, and, and you know, it's, it's just being a fanboy. I mean, I was, you know, I'm I'm uh, almost thirty now. Josh and I are both almost thirty, and uh, you know, we we were right around that time where I mean, we I was a Ninja Turtle. Well, gosh, ten, eleven Halloweens in a row. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so I was going to say you probably had all you know all the Halloween costumes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you had all the action figures and the toys, um, all of which you wish you still had in their original pack. Uh, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Or someplace, <laughs> you know, you probably still have your pillowcase. Oh, yeah, um, right, right. Still yep. use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and and the robe and the slippers and the yeah, sleeping bag. Right, <laughs> sleeping bag. Of course, <laughs> we could go on because the list is endless of the books that has come out over the years. That's Ninja Turtles, you know, based stuff. I listen again at these cons. I don't mean to keep going back to this, but but it's such a great touchstone for me because this is where you meet the fans and you see you know the impact that this show and the the whole franchise has had on so many people over the years i mean i can't tell you the number of people that come up to me and say this was my childhood you know they'll look at me and then next to me is barry gordon his table's next to then cam clark and then rob paulson next to him and it, they'll say they look down the road and they say i look down this aisle and this is i'm looking at my childhood right here and when i hear you say you know, sometimes they start crying. Oh, yeah. you know, like, oh my gosh, when I hear that, it's like all of a sudden I'm six again. And, yep, and, yep. Just, and then they tell you the stories about, you know, how the Ninja Turtles meant so much to them because fill in the blank. You know, they were bullied as kids and it taught them to, you know, have strength or it was their, you know, safe hiding place or, wow. or the, you know, their parents were going through a, a, a you know, a wicked divorce and, and, it, you know, it was a way for them to kind of escape or, you know, I, I have had kids, I call them kids, you know, they're 35 now, but, but I still think of them as kids. It will say to me, um, you know, I, what, I love this show so much and Mikey was my favorite because he taught me that you could you could be a goofball and you could be not you know not the 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 you know sharpest uh, <laughs> sharpest hammer in the in the <laughs> you know you could you could be that and and yet you could still be responsible right and make good choices and still choose to be strong and you know and they'll 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 tell me what you know in this case like michelangelo the character you know might have meant to them when they were young and taught them about life that of course we had no conception when we were recording these things that it would have any impact on anybody but you know any kids other than just sort of sheer silly entertainment value <laughs> But they tell you these stories and it's it's you know it's mind bending it really is so amazing the impact um that it's had on, on, on 
again on kids. Well, I'll tell you what. I've never said this before, and I don't even think I've told you this, uh, Josh. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly why the Ninja Turtles mean so much to me, but, you know, that, that you bring that up. You know, there was a time uh, in the late 80s and, and early 90s when, when my family was together, and, uh, you know, uh, my my mom and my dad ended up getting a divorce in, I think, 1992. But I was a huge Turtles fan, uh, you know, from the late 80s. I mean, you know, the first toy I ever got was Ninja Turtle that I remember. Uh, so I was I was right around that that time period, and Ninja Turtles was kind of like the the one constant in my life. You know, it was the the one thing that I, I remember watching every Saturday morning. I mean, that was the tradition. And even during the tough times, you know, when my dad wasn't around, you know, I still had the turtles. You know, and and being a five six year old kid, you know that that was you don't realize at the time, but that was like the consistency in in your life. And uh, you know, I I know it's a, a cartoon, but what you all were a part of. You know, yeah. I can totally identify what the fans are saying there because it, it was my childhood. I mean, it, it was one thing that was constant in my life, and uh, you know, I'm just so thankful for that. And and Rob, what you're saying, I I hear that so often, and I I can't tell you what how humbling that is to hear to to just know that you could have been a small part of something that was in a way really um, encouraging and supporting and healing in a way that you never in a million years could have imagined when you, you when you booked this job, when you got this part. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So thank you for sharing that. I bet that's got to be hard to share. And yet, how nice to know that there was something there and even nicer to know that it was this and that, that we got to be a part of that for you. So thanks for sharing that, man, because that's the kind of stuff I hear all the time. And it never ceases to amaze me or 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 humble me. You know, yeah. Michelangelo always made me laugh. You know, and uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, and uh, he he really did. Well, I can't and, imagine why, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I look silly, and I don't even have a Ninja Turtles T-shirt on. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking to Michelangelo. I know, I know, and it's it's awesome. <laughs> so bodacious is what it is. <laughs> it's totally tubuloso. <laughs> Still got it. I'm telling you. Wow. <laughs> Just like just like Rob was saying, I just I can't believe uh, how big of an impact that this show became. And the, you know, we think about the the comics and everything that is in the uh, the gamut of all the turtles media. And this TV show is what started it for me and for Rob. And of right. course, we eventually got into everything else. But you know, I can't help but but saying uh, you know thank you uh, as well because. You know, if you guys hadn't performed that way that you did and just brought the characters to life, you know, there wouldn't be all this. And I, I guess I want to ask, how did you do that? Like, did they explain to you, how did they explain Michelangelo to you as a character? And how did you come up with uh, it, this this awesome personality and character that, that stands out so much? Well, you know, first of all, Josh, um, great question. Thanks for that. Uh, and thanks for, you know, it, it, the importance is the characters. Is that I mean it's not it's not me yeah we're, I mean we're actors and we're called upon to you know bring these words on paper to life uh, so that when you see them on TV or you know hear them on radio um, that your imagination goes someplace with that and 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 somehow it feels real to you somehow and when I say real I don't mean real as real but it somehow it's true to you mm -hmm. it's organic you know what I mean you know what I'm saying. And so when I auditioned for this, just as we all did, um, and just as we all do when we audition for an animated uh, character, they show you a picture of it, and they give you a description of it, and then some sample lines. 
And then you use your imagination to how you think this would sound um, and how it would fit in with what it is they're looking for. In the case of Michelangelo, they were looking for they were looking for sort of a surfer dude. I mean, that was part of the description. And so, you know, we all everybody who auditioned for him did their version of what they thought was you know that kind of California surfer dude, you know, kind of burnout sort of thing. To, and I and the thought guy from Cleveland, Cleveland gets it. That's awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> did all that surfing on Lake Erie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in midwinter when that's you know minus 14 and with a yeah. it's minus you know 93 um yeah all right that's a little bizarre isn't it yeah. um but in my head i was thinking you know i was sort of uh thinking about sean penn in fast times at ridgemont high you know it's he was so you know kind of that burnout sort of whoa all right you know um and so kind of that's that's where i started but as with all characters that any of us end up doing at some point, you the character becomes you, or you become the character. It becomes yours. You take ownership of this thing, and it no longer is about you doing an impression or your idea of what you think that character sounds like. It's like you know what that character sounds like. You know it, and and it it doesn't happen right away. I mean, if I look at real early um, episodes of Ninja Turtles, or especially like The Tick, I look at those like first uh, that especially the first episode or two episodes. It's very different from what he ended up becoming in, in, in later episodes when I f finally sort of embodied this and was able to feel the freedom to kind of be it rather than be told, no, he is, he sounds like this, you know, cause when, when that's, when you get in that situation where you, you feel like they're not digging what I'm doing, then you're searching for something, anything to make it stick. And that's the, that's the, it's the worst way to try and allow the character to become organic to you. You just end up having to just be it somehow, you know. So with Michelangelo, it started, you know, with that kind of surf thing. But then once we kind of all got into the studio and we're playing around with our characters and you can play off each other. And certainly much of it comes from the writers, you know, and in the case of Turtles from David Wise and, um, you know, these these great scripts that they would write. And these great lines would would inform you uh, a lot as to what your character feels like, sounds like, looks like, uh, you know, what he does, what he doesn't do, you know, and and how he fits into the world with the other with the other guys with the other characters. And so once once you sort of get the rhythm of that after several episodes, then it becomes. Then becomes this starts to become more organic. You start to feel it, and you go, "Okay, I I know." It's like I was talking to Jess Harnell about this very thing um, yesterday uh, at the at the con as we were on a break, and and he was saying that you know y y you get to a point where you know the characters so well, you you could anybody could talk to you, and you could just talk to them in that character. You wouldn't need you wouldn't need the writers to give you lines to wow. know what that character would say. <laughs> You know, and um, and it's, he's exactly right. You know, it's like you could just it's like I could talk to you. It's Michelangelo. It's like be pretty easy to kind of, you know, dial it in and go. So what are you guys? I'm just kicking it in the old turtle there. What are you guys doing? You know? I'm just waiting to, you know, go out and battle the evil shredder. <laughs> Oh, shredhead. By the way, you guys don't have any pizza on you, do you? Like some, some nice anchovy and hot fudge pizza? pizza! Oh, see, now you got me going. Now you've they got, this guy, a little drool there on the side. Oh, now I'm drooling all over my shelf. Thanks, dudes. 
I, I gotta ask. I have to ask. Have you ever ordered a pizza as Michelangelo? <laughs> you know, somebody actually asked that at at the Q and A yesterday with us, and Rob Rob answered. Rob has done that. And, and he's <laughs> oh very, my god, that's the coolest. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, no, you know what? I never have. People ask me. So, what's your favorite? What's your favorite Ninja Turtle flavor pizza? And you know, Michelangelo's was uh, anchovy and hot fudge. They always ask me, so have you ever actually tried anchovy hot fudge pizza? And the answer is, no, I haven't. <laughs> well, you know, sadly, I have. I, I, I really have. <laughs> really? Well, and listen, it, I'll, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it's not as good as you would think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, gosh, it sounds so darn good to me. <laughs> that, that combo of anchovy and hot fudge, you know. Order a pizza today. I think I. The first thing that pops into my mind is, how about if we pair up a nice anchovy and hot fudge, <laughs> and mozzarella cheese on a, a nice gooey gluteny crust? How about that? That sounds like a good meal to me. Well, when you say it like that, yeah, you can make anything sound delicious. <laughs> yes, yeah, hot, hot, and hot and gluteny just for you, just the. You like it. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing, though. You know what I had over the weekend? We went up to dinner on, uh, I went out to dinner with my cousin on Saturday night in D.C., and on the menu at this restaurant was turtle soup. Oh. No, seriously. And I've never had turtle soup before. I've never seen it on a menu anywhere before. Tell me Not only that, it was, it, it was on the menu, it was listed as classic turtle soup. <laughs> and I thought, this has got to be a sign that... that because we're the classic turtles. We're the originals, dude. We may not be the best, but we were the first. So I ordered the turtle soup. I had turtle soup for the first time in my life. And I say, hey, <laughs> it, was, it was tasty. Let me say, let me say that, Mike. Well, you know, you brought up something that uh, you know, kind of made me curious. Um, you said that being, I guess, acting the, the character for so long, you kind of understand how they think in a way. Have you ever had to, like, see a script and you go, you know, Michelangelo wouldn't say that? Um, not very often because you got to understand that the, the writers they get for these shows know these, it, generally know these characters way better than we do because they've been writing them for a long time. They've been oh, okay. part of the series for a long time. Now, there have been occasions... And I, unfortunately, I can't I can't bring one to mind specifically, but there have been, you know, just a, a handful of times when, you know, I would see something and I go, well, you know, that doesn't that doesn't really feel like Michelangelo's character so much. He would maybe say something more like, mm, you know, and I make a little suggestion and they go, oh, OK, yeah, that's cool. You know, do it, do it that way. But when I when I say a handful, I mean a handful. If, if that's happened three or four times in the years that I've been doing this. It'd be a lot. Yeah, it just these 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 folks who create these shows. They, they, I mean, they're so good and they know them so well uh, that by the time it gets to to us to record it, um, it's gone through a lot of, a lot of layers. You know, a lot of, not not necessarily committees, but you know, a lot of people have looked at these scripts and approved them for recording. And uh, so by the time it gets to us, the words that they've got on paper are pretty easy to to take off paper and and put into our mouths as as the characters. Well, you know, take us back to the, the heyday of the Ninja Turtles. I mean, late 80s, early 90s. I mean, you the, the show's already blown up at this point. First of all, how did you feel about that? You know, knowing that you're now a celebrity in a, in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, you are a part of, I mean, I think of the late 80s as the Turtle era. Like, a lot of times, I define the entire 80s as Ninja Turtles for me. 
Um, <laughs> I, I know that was late eighties, but, but still, it didn't actually go on the air until what eighty eighty seven or eighty eight. Yes, yeah, 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 late eighties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like the last two 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 years of of the eighties. Yeah, and yeah. and early nineties. So, I mean, it's a huge... early nineties for sure. Yeah, you know, like right at that uh, turn of the decade there. Um, Ninja Turtles was huge, yeah, and this was, you know, we had been on the air for, what, about three years before the first uh, feature came out. And I remember hearing that they were going to be doing a Ninja Turtles uh, feature movie, and at first I assumed that it was going to be animated. And then I read that it was going to be live action, and there were going to be guys in suits, and I thought, wow, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> um, but uh, we also all sort of figured that since there were going to be guys in suits, they were going to need somebody to provide the voices, and... What other voice? What other Ninja Turtles voices were there at the time? There weren't. You know, the, we were it, and yeah, we were huge at the time. And you know, the toys were you know exploding, and and and, and you know, sales were through the roof. And uh, such, there was such an awareness of Ninja Turtles at the time. We just figured they were going to use us for the voices. And then the closer it got to the release of this this picture, and the more we weren't hearing anything from them. <laughs> Uh, our agents got on it and started making some phone calls and the response they got was, no, we got it covered. You know, we got our, we got some guys and they, and they didn't want to use the, the cartoon voices. They wanted to have just their own sound and feel and look and everything. They didn't want it attached to the, to the um, animated cartoon at all. And we were puzzled by that. And we thought, you know, sort of in our, in, in our hubris that, <laughs> They were making a big mistake, and um, you know, kids were going to know the difference, and they're going to watch this movie, and then they're going to say Michelangelo doesn't sound like that, and we're not, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to boycott this movie. We're not going to go see it because they don't have the real turtles' voices, you know. <laughs> and kids, you know, kids, they just don't think like that. They just, they go, wow, there's a Ninja Turtles movie, Mom. Can we go see it? And, you know, yeah. Okay, honey, sure. Um, you know, and they go and they love it, and yeah, I mean, there were a few comments. That why didn't they? I mean, we get the question still all these years later. Why didn't they use you guys? And and the answer was pretty simple. They just they didn't want to, um, which is cool. You know, they're the creators. They didn't have anything to do with um, the cartoon at all. And uh, but what was curious to me was after that first feature when they came out with the second one that they they didn't keep all the same voices. Right. In fact, in fact, I, they didn't keep all the same voices for any of the three. I think the only one was maybe. Um, Robbie Wrist was um, Mikey in all three of mm -hmm. uh, those first features. Uh, yeah, and they, sw they, they switched them up. You know, there wasn't, you know, a real uh, consistency among the voices, even in those first three features, which I thought was curious. So, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, in fact, you know, people assume that, you know, that's why, I mean, I still get, you know, people emailing me or texting me when they hear that there's another movie coming out, you know, that this big Turtles feature that came out what was last year or so, and they're now filming another one that will be probably even more successful. People just assume that because I was in the original Ninja Turtles, I must have something to do with all these other things. How uh, we you can know, wish. These the movies. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I just wish, say, yeah, from, from your lips to somebody's ears. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen. And I get that. You know, it is what it is. That's the entertainment biz. But um, if they were to approach you, would you be interested? Oh, of course. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll tell you. In fact, we um, at the, at the con this past weekend, my table was right next to Judith Hoag's. Yeah, she was uh, April uh, in that first feature, and she was just telling me that uh, she was in Times Square like just last week 
filming uh, cameo for this new new movie coming up. Yeah, and I heard about oh, that. Wow. Yeah, it's it's not a secret, so I I think I can say that. But um, <laughs> what a trip that is! I was talking to her, and, she, and I said, "Oh, honey, you must have been just thrilled to kind of be folded back into this franchise that you were a part of tw- tw- twenty years ago." Yeah. Um, yeah. How cool is that? And she she was like, you you have no idea. I had a blast, and you know, so that's a very cool thing. You know, the Nickelodeon has has done this uh, cool thing about you know having us for original turtles um, be included in in a in a small way in in an upcoming season. Here, I mean, we did that one little cameo, but we've done some other stuff since that um, I don't know that I'm privy to talk about. But it's, oh, I didn't know this. Oh, yes, it's new. It's, it's very fun. I mean, I know that I can say that we did something. I'm just not going to go into any detail about what we did. <laughs> so, All you have to but, tell us is the storyline and you know and who was in it. Who was in the case. But I'll tell you, I I really had a blast doing it, and and they're very. It's a, it's a very fun story, and uh, I did a couple of things. Yeah, and I and in fact, I think there was. One one thing that I I was involved with over there, uh, that uh, Brandon Almond was saying that uh, he's hoping to be able to to um, to screen at uh, Comic Con. I'm hoping, yeah. And, and again, I'm not uh, saying anything about that other than that. But uh, but um, yeah. So you know, it's cool to s- kind of still be thought of and and. Uh, you know, be just a, it's such a privilege to be, you know, sort of the, at the very front end of this in, enormous um, behemoth, you know, this uh, franchise that is what it is. Um, you know, and I certainly have no complaints, uh, you know, 10, 10, 10 years, 10 uh, seasons on, on this thing. It's a pretty long time. I think somebody uh, over the weekend said we did 194 episodes. You know, that's, that's a lot of work. And, and when I say that, I don't mean God. It's a lot of work. Oh, yeah! I can't believe they did all those. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I had to do 194 episodes of this. Is no, I don't mean it like that. I mean, good grief! You know, how cool is that that we got to do that much work on on this show? Well, you know, let, let me ask you about that because I always wondered about this. You know, what was it like working with that cast? Because you had Cam Clark, you had uh, Pat Fraley, uh, James Avery, Pete Renaday, Rob Paulson, Renee Jacobs, uh, Barry Gordon. I mean, do you have any, like, inside stories? I mean, Oh, know- dude, I, I am terrible with those kind of questions. I'm so <laughs> sorry. But, I, A, I've got just the world's worst memory. And, uh, me and too. Then and then when, and then when I'm, I'm sort of put on the spot and say, so what was your favorite line? And, you know, the, <laughs> going, oh, gosh, you know what? I, <laughs> I don't know. I'll, what, what I will tell you is – you know, I just I just have really fond memories of the whole of the entire process, start to finish. You know, these by and large, the people who are in this business, and and I'm speaking about voice actors specifically, but you know, the all the other people who are part of this business too. You know, the the voice directors and the audio folks, the men and women, you know, behind the the boards, you know, pushing the faders and recording us. Um, the producers and the writers, oh my gosh, um, are, are just some of the most amazing people. Uh, you know, I would include the animators and, and all that stuff, but those are people that I never got to see or work with or meet. I'm talking to people that, that, that we sort of dealt with on a daily basis and deal with on a daily basis. And these, and these, these folks are just the, the, the most kind-hearted down to, and I know this sounds like I'm the blown smoke, but these, they're the most real 
down-to-earth, kind-hearted, creative um, people you'll ever find. And and when it comes to voice actors, I mean, talk about creative, uh, witty, uh, amazingly facile. You know, some of the guys, you know, you know, the ones who are just really hilarious are the ones, you know, that do the impressions and the improv, what I call the imps, you know. Uh, those impressionists and improvisers who are, are are so good and so facile and so hilarious, and those are the entertainers you want to see on stage, you know, because they put on a show. You know, when I when I do a, a panel like this past weekend with, you know, we had uh, Jess Arnell was there, um, and Jim Cummings was there, Phil Lamar was there, and uh, so our our uh, our manager Jeff Zanini, um puts together this great thing called Twisted Tunes where he takes a script of a, a classic movie. In this case, it was a Star Trek uh, script and and has us do, you know, our sort of classic voices and stuff, but various characters and stuff. I, listen, I just take a back seat and, and I'm, I'm one of the audience when I'm part of these things because I can't, there's no way in the world I'm going to be able to keep up with Jess Harnell and, and Jim Cummings and Phil Lamar and Rob, Rob Paulson and these guys who are just so good and so funny and so facile and so witty. Um, they're hilarious. So you can imagine being in these sessions um, with with these with these guys. It's it can be, uh, you know, like a you know you're you're going to a show every every day that you get hired, you know, and so so they're hilarious. But on top of being so talented, I mean, these are world class. You know, they're the they're the pinnacle of this industry. To be in 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 a studio with them. And and yet to realize they're as down to earth as you could possibly get, kind, approachable, um, you know, virtually egoless uh, folks. Gosh, it's like pinch me. I've I've died and gone to heaven. I mean, come on, I get to I get to do this for a job and and get paid for it. Wow. Wow. Well, heck, I mean, that's how Josh and I feel as fans. I mean, we we get to talk to people like yourself, uh, Pat Fraley, um, Kevin Eastman. Yeah. Just so many people that, uh, you know, we grew up. I mean, that was a big part of our childhood, and we just get to randomly call you guys up. Hey, you know. Yeah. Well, how cool, but how cool is this technology that we've got these days? Oh, now? I love it. Because you wouldn't have had this kind of access. You know, when I say you, I mean any of us. We wouldn't have had this access to, to people who we admire, certainly, you know, 20 years ago. But, I mean, even like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the advent, I, I sort of look at it as with the advent of the iPhone. And having this computer in our pockets, and you know, and then Facebook, and and all of a sudden, you can you can you can kind of peek into people's lives. Those those who let you, right. you know. But I mean, be, by being on Facebook or or Twitter, but especially Facebook, where you can you know look at pictures and you can you know, get a glimpse of you know what they did today and mm-hmm. what they're sharing and stuff. And you've got you know Messenger. Um, you can have access. Uh, to people that you couldn't have had 10 years ago, 20 oh, years, ago, 30 years ago. Oh my right. gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's a pretty cool thing. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine what it would have been like if we'd had this technology, you know, 30 years ago when, you know, I could have, you know, dialed up, you know, Mel Blanc or, or, or somebody and, and, and had a little podcast chat with him. Oh, that'd be cool. It's just, can you imagine what that would have been like to be able to sit down oh, with Stan man. Freeberg or, you know, whoever, you know, Paul Fries and go, Wow. Hey, Dawes, what, you know, well, what was it like? You know, where'd you come up with the Huckleberry Hound? Now you can read these interviews mm-hmm. now because they've all done these interviews and they're in print. But 
But to be able to just, you know, spend an afternoon. Now, I did. I will tell you that I had a friend of mine from Cleveland who was on the radio with me who was very interested in, and wanting to get into cartoons years ago. And he came out for a visit. And I had heard that you could call Dawes up and actually go over to his house. Wow. And, and that he'd sit with you for an hour and just tell you stories or just talk to you. So we did that. And we went over to his, his little bungalow and out to his studio and in, in his uh, garage, um, converted garage, you know, it was his studio where he taught he and, and, and he taught classes out there. To be able to have that kind of access, and that, that was a very cool thing, and I got a chance to do that. Um, but nowadays, you know, you can put out this request and, you know, do these interviews and, and talk to people and email and Skype and all this stuff. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's a whole, whole new world now to be well, able to do this. Well, I think there should be a Townsend Coleman uh, podcast. I mean, I'm just saying. You know, Rob's uh, got absolutely. one. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. I'm going to leave that to, to Mr. Paulson. Um, <laughs> you know, and those guys, you guys who, who know how to do it and do it well. I don't, I don't mind being a guest, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of not in my DNA to put together that kind of stuff. I know you, when you were talking about, we had asked, was there ever a time that you thought there was a line that maybe Michelangelo wouldn't say? Uh, right. it, it, it sounds like uh, when you were able to come up with things that he would say, so it's, it sounds kind of like you were able to ad-lib or improvise a little bit sometimes? Not not really, at least not in, in my case. I mean, I, I'm sure that there are some shows that, that they they encourage that now. Uh, but, but back in, you know, sort of my era was kind of from 85 to 2000 or so. Um, was was the that kind of fifteen years spell that I was working pretty heavily in animation, and then it tapered off, you know, late nineties uh, into uh, two thousand. Then I really didn't do any animation until I did Transformers animated for a couple of seasons for Cartoon Network in I want to say around two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, around in there, um, and did that. And uh, you know, I do a couple of things every so often, so I'm not really. You know, working in animation, I really don't work in animation anymore. But but back when I was, um, it was it was pretty well stick to the script. Um, you know, we would occasionally uh, Im- improv a line uh, that seemed like it might might be silly or might you know. I mean, Pat Fraley was doing that all the time. Rob Rob, <laughs> Jess Arnell certainly, and uh, and in those cases, they'd have these you know silly little buttons that would end up finding their way into the show because they were they were so they were so good and they were so um uh, appropriate for the time but for the most part not a lot of uh ad-libbing um of the scripts they've you know like i said earlier they've they've gone through a lot of layers to get to us when we finally record it that they don't want to start changing too much because they've got storyboards they got to stick to and yada yada oh yeah I, i did have one last question um yeah do you remember uh, the cartoon All Stars to the Rescue? Uh, it was like yeah. a, a PSA, long PSA, basically. Yeah, uh, that yeah. Was, was using the the popular cartoon characters of the time to get across this anti drug message to kids. Yeah, hmm. yeah was yeah, that, totally that? Yeah, was that re- was that recorded like in the same studio in the manner that you do Turtles, or is that like a separate project? That was a separate project, and and it was a, in a different studio than we were doing Turtles in at the time. And I remember them sort of just filing us in kind of one by one. You know, we didn't all sit in the studio and do it together. Uh, I guess maybe some of them did. But but I remember in my case, uh, I was sort of like waiting until I went in and I did my lines. As I recall, you know, and I could be completely wrong about this. So don't, so don't quote me because I'm saying this, but don't quote me. <laughs> but, 
but as I recall, uh, I just I, I didn't have that many lines. I just went and did my couple of lines wild, and uh, and then that was it. I will tell you one interesting thing about that, though. If you look at you know that was of course came out on VHS uh, cassette, and if you look at the the artwork on the VHS cassette, you won't see a picture of Michelangelo. You'll yeah. See a you see a picture of all the other characters that were in the show, but there's no Michelangelo. Even though that was at the height, well, not the height, but it was at a very, you know, uh, uh, heightened state of popularity for the Turtles at the time. But it was it was over a licensing issue. Oh. Whoever held the rights to the Michelangelo and the Turtles images at the time, they somehow wouldn't release it for this 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 PSA or this nonprofit. I think it was nonprofit. Um, anti-drug thing. So they, they, they couldn't use the picture of Michelangelo on the cover. And I remember when I saw, I was so excited to be a part of this project and, and be the one turtle that was included in this, um, <laughs> that, you know, I, it, was, it was such a trip for me. I, I was excited when the VHS came out and I bought it and I looked at the cover of it and I'm like, look and scouring it, looking for Michelangelo, and it wasn't there. I was so disappointed. It was like, what? How could I be like the only character that's not on this cover? It's like, ah! You know, and then I found out what the deal was and, and why it wasn't. And I, I just, you know, shook my head. Yeah, well, it, it's funny because that, like, I, I remember seeing it as a kid. And, you know, I wasn't really sure about it. And I don't even remember how or why I was watching it. But I, I just remember as soon as I saw Michelangelo, I was, I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. You know, this is for me. You know, this isn't just some boring thing. I was like, Michelangelo's here. I, I'm, I'm going to watch this. And that's why I didn't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and, yeah, bro, well, see, I'm and I'm happy to have been a part of keeping you you <laughs> nice, nice and sober there, Josh, for all these years. Um, yeah, well, it's, see, what you just said was was very interesting. I mean, it's very telling that just be, because you saw Michelangelo in this, all of a sudden it gave it legitimacy. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What I mean, think about the power of that. It's not power I had. It's just it's the power that this culture has. Mm-hmm. You know, in creating you know these entities and these characters and stuff, uh, and the, and the power that it has to influence kids, um, mm-hmm. influence adults too. You know, for that matter. But I mean, that, I mean, that's what that's what TV is all about. Advertising is all about. Listen, I've spent my life, you know, the last forty years, you know, voicing commercials, radio and TV, and and um, you know, I spent sixteen years as the voice, uh, the comedy voice of NBC. You know, voicing all their must-see TV comedy promos from 1993 up until two, you know, September of 2009, and all the late-night promos for Jay Leno on the Tonight Show and some Saturday Night Live and and uh, Conan and all that stuff. I, you know, spent a lot of years uh, doing promos, and boy, you talk about you know the effort to influence. Um, <laughs> that's what that's what commercials are about. It's what promos are about. But in you know to a lesser degree, well maybe not to a lesser degree. Uh, that's what cartoons are about. You know, I mean the the thing you know, about um, uh, Gem and the holograms and and uh, certainly GI Joe and uh, Transformers. You know, back in the early days, I mean those were half hour commercials for Hasbro to sell these action Boys, figures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, talk about the effort to influence. That's what that was. So to my mind, there there also needs to be, and this may sound a little old-fashioned, but you know there needs to be you know a sense of responsibility that goes along with that, realizing the power that you wield. Uh, you know, I fear for our society that um, we're not using that 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 influence um, as perhaps as responsibly as we could. 
You know, <laughs> just because you can do something doesn't mean you ought to. Just because you can kind of cross that line. And I don't know that there even is any line anymore, at least what it seems. I think there is. But it, it seems to me that our society doesn't think there is or that our world doesn't think there is anymore. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole nother <laughs> thing. But uh, yeah, but that's, think about that, Josh, how, how just because Michelangelo was in this anti-drug message, you would listen to it because he was there. Right. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And you, you don't even really think about like I I don't know how much you were thinking about when you're playing Michelangelo like what kind of effect it would have on kids just like you were saying and uh, you know luckily well, I, can you guys... you, I can tell you in one word none. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it one bit, not one bit. I don't think any of us were. We were just going into a studio to to read a script, something that we didn't write, you know, and do these and and just do these voices, you know, do these characters. I don't mean to minimize it because the characters are what they are and the scripts are what they are and the show ended up becoming what it was. All I'm saying is that when we went in to do that, we'd show up at nine o'clock at Scream Music or B and B Sound and, you know, get our coffee and donuts, chat for twenty minutes, get our scripts, you know, look through this you know, skim the script and highlight our lines or circle our lines and, you know, see where the story was going. And then we'd go and we record, you know, a couple of takes, uh, and we'd be out in a couple hours and that was it and off off to our next gig. In that process, I can tell you in those days and I can't speak for the other guys, but uh, but I do know that they have said similar things. That we didn't give one thought to w- and what sort of influence we might be having on anybody. We're just going and doing a job and having a great time and just being thankful for the fact that we got an, another day's work. Right. So and it wasn't t- until years later, and even when the even when the show exploded, you know, you were making reference earlier to about how when it became so popular in the late '80s, early '90s, um, and we were celebrities. I have a hard time with that because, you know, certainly the show was popular, but nobody knew who we were. And um, except for, you know, the the real media geeks who would read the credits and, you know, and I was one of those when I was a kid and, you know, always read the liner notes on albums and stuff and wanted to know where they recorded these, these, these albums and, you know, who the session musicians on were, you know, that kind of stuff. But, but for the most part, nobody knew who we were. We just knew that the show was doing really well. The, the toys were selling like crazy. And that when people did find out that, that oh, yeah, he's the voice of Michelangelo on Ninja Turtles. What? You're what? <laughs> do the voice. You know, you do the voice and then they, you know, get all crazy. Um, that was pretty cool. But, you know, it wasn't until, you know, the advent of the Internet and, and having access to this stuff and then certainly YouTube and Facebook and having that sort of access and and now with these cons that virtually didn't exist, you know, 25 years ago, um, you know, no nobody nobody knew who we. So we really had no idea that we were having any impact. Now occasionally, you know, the the producer of the show would come into a session when we'd show up and say, "You guys, you're not going to believe this. You got to look at this this piece of fan mail. Look at this letter that this little girl wrote." Huh. You know, and she'd draw a picture of Ninja Turtles on there and stuff. And he'd read it to her. He'd look at it and. You go, wow, that's really amazing. You know, this that, that it impacted this it impacted this little girl like this, not having any idea that there were thousands more just like, you know, and 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 boys and and you know and and most of them would never write a letter, or send the fan mail, and so you you know you had to start to think, well, maybe there are more out there, you know, and and it certainly wasn't until this phenomenon. I think of just the last five or ten years of finding out about 
the people and hearing the stories, going to these Comic Cons and meeting these people. I mean, when I think about, you know, really like the last five years, think about that. In all this time, and now we've got the access to the fans, and the fans have the access to us, largely that 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 we we can hear these stories and we can hear these see these people face to face. Pretty pretty amazing. Oh, absolutely, and you know, and that kind of leads into my last question. I was going to ask you. I mean, all these years later, and the series is as strong as it is now, if not stronger than it was back in the day. I mean, what does the Ninja Turtle franchise mean to you? I mean, uh, the obvious answer to that is it gave me employment for 10 years. And, you know, I feel, looking back, I feel just extremely fortunate to have, I think of it as just lucked out in getting this part. You know, I mean, so much of my career feels like luck to me. I know it can't all be luck, you know, um, but I was sort of in the right place at the right time and prepared when the time came many times to, to snag the job. Um, but th- there were some real sort of happy accidents and crazy, you know, coinkidinks that would happen <laughs> along the way where, where I, I did just sort of happen into that job that ended up being the best job of my life. Um, so the Ninja Turtles franchise uh, means the world to me because I get to be a part of it. You know, and I, I've, I'm sort of a little part of history there, you know, way back when for that decade. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, a, a and, big part. And, yeah, well, thank you, and 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 so that feels really great. I love it, and and to still, you know, you know, I don't care that I'm not doing the movies and stuff now. Look, I got to be, you know, part of the the genesis of this thing. Mm-hmm. That that's that's pretty amazing. That's that's pretty cool. So, so it, what it means to me is that is that, you know, I I, I get to be a very lucky member, a very blessed and grateful member of this kind of tiny kind of tiny club you know mm-hmm. um in a way well said that's yeah that's um what else can i say but uh <laughs> but thanks for that <laughs> all right well uh uh townsend hey i mean gosh i don't even know how to put in words i just thank you so much this first of all uh, you I, broke a record I, man uh we're over an hour now <laughs> oh, well, uh, yeah, I'm looking at them. I think we've been hooked up for an hour and 15 minutes. Hey, so. not bad, not bad. <laughs> uh, 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 the better part of that has been has been this. So it was my pleasure. I hope I, I didn't get too long-winded and oh, keep you Lord, too no. long. No, no, Absolutely definitely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And the funny thing is we have so many more questions. Like, we didn't even get to half oh, of our I'm, listener questions. So I guess my, oh, ne- my last question will be this. Would you ever mm-hmm. consider coming back? Of course, sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. I was nervous. If you, if you still got more stuff to talk about, if I if I can come up with some answers, I'd be happy to. Oh, to be back. that'd be amazing. Yeah, because you know oh. uh, we're the long winded ones. I mean, we could keep going and going and going. <laughs> no, I love it. It's you know, if I can answer a question, I will. If I can't, I'll just say so. Oh, awesome. Uh, I guess the last thing I'm going to say, Townsend, is just. Thank you, man. Uh, you're just another amazing example of why I love the Turtles franchise. I mean, there's there's so many good people associated with the Ninja Turtles that are like not only talented but you know just also approachable and, and humble and so appreciative of the fans uh, I mean you're certainly one of them and uh, you know I just I just can't thank you enough man thank you for for taking a little bit of time out of your day to talk with us well trust me Rob Josh it's absolutely my pleasure thank you so much oh sweet well cowabunga so dudes <laughs> cowabunga dudes <laughs> Oh my gosh! Isn't that something? Oh my gosh! What a nice guy, huh? Oh right. Oh my yeah. gosh! You know, I, listeners, I'm gonna go ahead and apologize because throughout the entire thing, I was fanboy Rob. 
you, I was not a host. I was gushing <laughs> over the fact that I'm talking to Michelangelo. I'm talking to the Tick. I'm talking to a legend, and I'm just so thankful that he was so cool and so laid back. And um, I just need to apologize for me. Well, dude, I'm the same way. I got goosebumps, man. I can't believe we were talking to Michelangelo. Like, it's it's so crazy when he was talking about one of my favorite parts of, of, of our conversation is when he was talking about, you know, the, the writers, given that he gave the writers so much credit about creating right. character. But it's funny that he said he's kind of he said he wasn't good at impressions. And to me, I was like, well, why wouldn't you be? You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, why wouldn't you be if you're a voice actor? But it was really clear that to him. You know, he he takes Michelangelo, he uses his imagination to figure out what that would be, and then he kind of becomes that character, right. you know. And it's like, so in some ways, he kind of created the the he helped create Michelangelo, which is so cool. I never really thought of it that way. I never did either. But you know, what I what I really liked about what he said is that you know he felt like he was Michelangelo. You know, he felt he was so in character with that character that you know he he had pride over him and and. and you know, would defend that character, and man, that just makes me really just kind of enjoy the Michelangelo from the original cartoon even more because it's like he was very sincere. It wasn't just a job for him. You know, he talks about, oh yeah, he's very thankful that it paid the bills, but listening to the fans after the fact, all these years later, he feels you know so humble and so thankful for it. So, um, man, it's just another great episode uh, or another great interview. I mean, it's just another great example of how awesome these people associated with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are. So, Dude, uh, we, we just talked to Michelangelo. We talked, like, yeah! I, that's the thing, like he, like you're saying, like he is the character. I mean, he brought right. him to life. It's like, dude, we talked to one of the turtles. Like, yeah. <laughs> talk about the bucket list, man. I know, I know. Holy he scratched crap. another one off thanks to this podcast, I'm telling man, you. Man, man, awesome. And, and he said he'd be back. Yes. Yes. So, and and listeners, you know, we want to apologize. We didn't get every single question asked. We just a lot of times with our interviews, we just kind of go wherever the conversation leads us. And sometimes we'll ask additional questions just because it's we're curious about it. And sometimes we have to cut a couple of questions just because it doesn't fit with the flow of the conversation. So, we promise you, if we didn't ask your question, whenever we have uh, Townsend Coleman back, we'll definitely we'll definitely bring it up. So, anyways, hosthead, to close out this totally tubular episode, what kind of pizza are we gonna have today? You know, I think we should go with uh, Mikey's favorite, as uh, Townsend told us. That's right. Well, what was it again? Anchovies and chocolate fudge. I think that's what. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. I, I yeah. had that before. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners. Well, here's to hoping you enjoy your anchovies and hot pudge. Hot pudge. Pudge. <laughs> what pudgy? I'm, I am a little bit. I got an extra there. <laughs> extra pudge. Oh, gosh. All right, let me start. Maybe you should end it. I don't know. I think we should keep going. I, I want to see if you say pudge again. <laughs> Hot pudgy pizza. Oh, gosh. All right, listeners. Well, here's hoping you enjoy your uh, hot fudge and anchovies pizza. Cowbunga, dudes. Cowbunga. So give me a quarter. I was a witness. Get me a reporter. Call April O'Neill. And on this case, hey, you better hurry up. There's no time to waste. I, I just I can't get over the fact we're going to talk to Michelangelo. I know, dude. I, I hope he says Master of like Pizzas. Oh, I, like, in my head, I was, like, going over it this morning. Like, you're introducing him, and you could be like, oh, yeah, Townsend Colin, he's done Michelangelo and The Tick. And I could be like, and he's also uh, Master, uh, Master of the pizzas. pizzas. I was thinking, I was like, but but if I botch it, is he gonna be, is he gonna be like offended or like I don't know, I don't know. So uh, well, I say he's really nice. Yeah, I'm thinking I might throw it out there, I don't know. But, but I want him to do it. So I don't that's know. true. 
Do you have a way of messaging it? Let me see. I think I just sent it right now. Michelangelo here. You know the master of the whirling pizzas, that one? <laughs> Something like that? Yeah. yeah. Do that if you want. Oh, that'd be amazing, Mikey. See, what's, what's really, truly amazing after all these years, I still have my eyesight, and I still remember how to read. <laughs> okay, you ready? This is going to be amazing. Sure. Awesome. Whoa, dudes, Michelangelo here, you know, the master of the whirling pizzas. And you, my friend, are listening to Turtle Flakes, a bodacious bowl of Ninja Turtles goodness, brought to you by my radical dudes, Rob and Josh. Cowabunga! Yeah! Oh, my God, that was awesome. Oh, that was amazing. There you have it, bro. Oh. <laughs> I know. Wow, this is crazy. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> On a half shell, they're on a mission. When there's a battle, got the enemy wishing that they stayed at home. Instead of fighting these ninja masters with moves like lightning, they were once normal. But now the mutants split as the teacher, so they are the students. Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Donatello make up the team with one other fellow, Raphael. He's the leader of the group, transformed from the norm by the nuclear group. Pizza's the food that's sure to please. These ninjas are into pepperoni and cheese. Back to the story, it's not hard to find. Ninjas not just of the body, but of the mind. Those were the words that the master instructed. But a letter from Shredder had splinter abducted. That was the last straw. Spring into action. Step on the foot, now they're gonna lose traction. Now this is for real, so you fight for justice. Your shell is hard, so you shout, they can't dust us all. Like some old coffee table. Since you've been born, you've been willing and able to defeat the snake. Protect the weak. Fight for rights and your freedom to speak. Now the villain is chilling, so you make a stand. Back to the wall, put your sword in your hand. Remember the words of your teacher, your master. Evil moves fast, but good moves faster than light. Shining for your illumination. Good versus evil equals confrontation. So when you're in trouble, don't give in and go sour. Try to rely on your turtle power.